0: Turn really quickly um, to Colossians chapter two. This was kind of an anchor verse for us when we were first. uh, We're gonna take a break from John, obviously. We're going to Colossians, but this is uh, this was kind of an anchor verse for us uh, in the early days. Um, Kind of a grounding verse for us. This is not going to be a large unpacking of this, but just some observations from this as being um, directionally uh, where we would like to continue to move. And the verse says this in verses 16 and 17. um, I'm sorry, verses six and seven. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Um, you know, all churches, we, we have a story and we have a, we have a narrative, right? And it's a narrative that God is writing for us. And whatever, whatever place and time that you come into the church, you enter into that church's story. And so it's good for us to talk about the past because it, it, helps, us, it helps us as we move into the future. It helps us recount the, the wondrous deeds of the Lord, right? Right. Um, and when we think back, we re- it helps us remember just how far the Lord has taken us in all kinds of ways that are super important and, and other things that aren't, you know, aren't quite as important. You know, what you probably don't, what most of you don't know is that the, the original meeting space was in the, it was just kind of right here where you see Tom and Jared. Um, you know, it was, it was right behind that wall. There, there wasn't a wall there. And it was just this, this long strip of concrete and that's where we uh, used to be an organic food market and that's, that's what we had and there was about 35 of us and uh, we had no amplification. Um, I don't know, you know, with 30 people, Italian background, you just yell, you know, it works. But I think people felt like I was yelling at them. Um, I probably was a little bit too. I, I, you know, you're a little fiery when, when you're younger um, so I've tried to, tried to uh, you know, take that down a little bit, right, mature a little bit. So there was a lot of yelling. Um, we had no rooms for our nursery. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine that? I know sometimes it feels like we still have no rooms, <laughs> sounds like we have no rooms for our nursery. Technically we have no roof on our nursery. I think our next roof campaign needs to be for the nursery, right? Um, so uh, there's a lot of like shh going on while I was yelling in my preaching. We remember that, right? Um, oh man, we had no air conditioning in those those early days because we weren't in here where the air is just beautiful and luscious. We were in there where there was no air. Um, I remember Melissa would phrase it like this She would say, Hey, it's July. Do you think tomorrow's going to be a two shirt or a one shirt sermon? It was so horrible. I tend to sweat, you know? And uh, so she would say, I think it's a two shirt. So she would bring a shirt an extra shirt, and after the sermon, I would have to go into our, you know, again, our one bathroom, where somebody was washing the dishes and change my shirt. <laughs> As Scott pointed out last night. Um, we would say this, Melissa and I would say this a lot. Honestly, we would finish a Sunday, we would go to the next Sunday, and, and one of the lines was, it's a miracle anyone keeps coming back. It's a miracle. Because it wasn't comfortable. You know, it wasn't awesome. Um, thankfully the preaching was awesome though, you know, except it was not, it was not. So for all of, for the for the three or four of you that are still sticking around, thank you. You suffered through quite a bit back in, back in the day, but I want to just unpack a couple of things that the Colossians tells us here. The first thing it says is walk in him. Okay. Walk in him. It takes a minute to walk in Jesus as a church right, to walk together in Jesus as a church. People are are coming in, and they're coming in from all kinds of different experiences and different backgrounds, different traditions. Most of us uh, in the early days had received Jesus. We had some people that came in and received Jesus, but most had received Jesus. But now we were worshiping Jesus together, and to be a church, we would have to begin walking in Jesus together as a new community. It takes a minute for that to happen. Right? For, for some of the concrete to dry around that. So, so how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, we begin by, by gathering under the word together and that's really all we did. That was, the, that was sort of the simple nature of the kind of church we were planting is that we, we said, hey, let's just gather under the word together. We began by learning how to serve one another and care for each other's needs. So it's like, hey, let's gather under the word together, let's open God's word, let's see if that guy can preach And then uh, let's start caring for and serving each other's needs. And so we began by establishing community groups with one another so that relationships could form and we could just start to become people who were living and growing more effectively as disciples, right? That's the big idea. It takes time. It's hard to do. It's messy, but that's, that's the best way kind of pulling from scripture how we could figure out how to do these things. Um, we wanted to look around our town and find ways that we could be a light, how we could respond to the needs of others with the, with the limited resources we have. But knowing that, hey, we're, we're people. You know, we have, a, we have a head, we have heart, we have hands. Those are resources. How can we leverage those? So walking in Jesus is something that we learn to do. We learn to do that. I would say we're still learning to do that. But we learn to do it collectively by the power of the Holy Spirit And it just takes time, right? Just like a baby learns to walk. And that's how a church is. We learn to walk together. And I would say that we're walking and we're learning to walk, right? Those two things are always happening. Um, You know, it's interesting. We moved into the warehouse sometime in October. We'd been meeting at Eastgate Bible Church. It's still a church just up the road. I always forget the name of the street it's on. But if you've ever passed by, you've seen it. It's a a little church. Um, We were able to use it uh, on Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m., uh, because the church that gathered there, they didn't gather till, till noon. I know you, some of you probably are going to start going to that church now after I just said that. Um, but that's why they could, they could loan it to us, right? And uh, the pastor there, uh, pa- Pastor Nathan, good friend, he was really gracious, let us, let us use it for, for no money at all. It was amazing, but when we moved into the warehouse sometime in October, we, we kind of waited to have our official launch service in, until December. That's not how you do these things, right? Well, We're gathering, but we're gonna try to kind of build up and, and promote like our, our official launch service. I don't know, you know, that's just what they tell you to do. Um, so we're getting closer to December, and we're starting to grow a little bit as we get close to December. The Times Gazette, they ran this feature article on us. We were just feeling really special at that time, you know? And we all thought like most people think that your launch service might, you know, potentially bring us, you know, a surprise attendance. And it did actually, Uh, we had half of the people for our launch service that we'd been having (laughs) up to that point. Right? So we've been running about 35 and that launch service, I think we had like 21 people, you know, we're just like, Oh my gosh. Um, But again, you do these kinds of things as you're learning to walk, right? Um, but you keep reminding yourself that things like launch Sundays, we put that in quotes, right, are what we do to invite people in. Okay. Um, but growth is found, true growth, spiritual growth, maturity is found as we walk in Jesus together, right? Numerical growth is important, right? If it's still just us, the longs and the pals, sorry, but we don't have a church, right? Numerical growth is important. Um, but spiritual growth is vital right? Because we can have a church with even far less people than we have today, but we got to have that spiritual growth, right? Because that's what encompasses walking in Jesus. And that's what Paul is driving at here. And then, he's, and then he makes this other, uh, this, he says these other words, he says, rooted, built up, and established. What's difficult with church planting is that you can be built up and established without being rooted, Like those things can happen. We see that, right? A church can have the appearance of being established when they, you know, they have a building. They have a a great worship team. They have an amazing preacher. They have great kids programs. Thankfully, we had none of those things in the beginning to distract us when we began. We didn't have any of that, Right? We were, we were, you know, again, we are meeting over there, behind the wall, that's what we call the early building, ah, the, the space behind the wall, right? The worship team consisted of me and a couple of other far more capable singers and musicians, some of whom are not with us, you know, anymore. To be clear, they're not dead. Uh, they're just not here anymore. How I phrase things, right? I'm trying to remember the name of the first preacher we had, but I can tell you that he was not amazing, right? That was me. Um, and to call our children's ministry a program would be an insult to programs, right? At the end of the day, right? None of that, none of that was, was in place. We, we had none of those things, but it didn't mean we weren't prone to appearances. Oh man, right? It doesn't mean that we weren't prone to appearances. We had to be careful the kind of church that we were trying to plant. We had to be careful not to develop kind of an attitude that said, hey, we're just this simple, stripped down, missional church who is more spiritual and elitist, right? Because we don't care about all those other things. Who needs amplification, <laughs> right? Um, so we had to be careful about that, right? And maybe our reputation kind of went out that we were a little like that. It was probably, probably on me. Um, but here's, 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 I think, the larger point. And yeah, let's hope there's a larger point. Whatever your appearance or programs, Paul is saying the essential thing is to be rooted so that you can be built up. And by being built up, you can be established in the faith. So the question then becomes, well, how have we done that? How are we doing that? Well, it's still pretty simple, right? We, we preach through books of the Bible, right? We emphasize church membership. Uh, we encourage you all to pray for and care for one another. We, we try to look into our community and find ways to partner with those who care about our town. Here's what I would say about all that. None of it is groundbreaking stuff. It's grounding stuff, right? And that's the point with substance, is that we've never done groundbreaking things. There is no, there's no lights and fog, as I like to say. You know? Hopefully it's grounding stuff, though. It's stuff that keeps our focus and keeps our feet firmly planted. The Apostle Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 2.4. He says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Listen to this part. You yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So substance is a spiritual house filled with living stones. That's, that's all of you guys. And I, you know, you look around, I know we have a lot of brick and mortar here, but none of that is the church, right? That is not the church. That is not the emphasis. In the same way that you wouldn't say your house is the same thing as your family. It's not. Is it important? It is, right? Um, but you would still be a family if you didn't have a house, you know? And that's how we've always tried to look at substance is to emphasize the things that matter, the things that are good for our growth as disciples of Jesus Christ, right? The church consists of people. That's you, that's me, who uh, Peter tells us are a holy priesthood, which what that means, that, that fancy wording means that we all have a piece of what we're doing here as disciples of Jesus, right, in the work that we are called to do and the light that we are called to reflect. It means that we're all together in this. It's not just the people on the platform. It's not just the paid staff. We're a holy priesthood, which means all of you are able to do this work, to sacrificially love God, to serve Jesus, to serve one another by the power of the Holy Spirit, because why? Because you've been rooted, because you've been built up, you've been established to do that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying is that the work of the church is not just for the the paid people, right? It's not just the elders. It's not just the deacons. It's all of us through faith in Jesus Christ. We take part in the mission and the ministry of the church by living out the lifestyle of Jesus, right? And what that results in is hearts that abound in what? Thanksgiving, that abound in Thanksgiving. And by the way, Thanksgiving is not just this word where we go, man, I'm just feeling grateful today. That's called gratitude. That's called a heart that is filled with gratefulness. Thanksgiving is not lip service, right? Thanksgiving is service, right? So Thanksgiving, we show, Thanksgiving is an active thing that we do that shows our gratitude. So we have grateful hearts and that is lived out in acts of Thanksgiving, right? And we see that, we see that happening in our church. We've seen it for years. So I have a really long close here for you trying to be honest with you. So where does that leave us then? Nobody cheered when I said that. Um, So where does that leave us as a church who has been blessed, right? We've been blessed through good seasons. We've been blessed through some difficult valleys. And I I don't know how we'd be a church if those two things didn't exist, right? It's just not, it's not all puppy dogs and ice cream. It, It just isn't right? The Lord takes us through some things. It's how he grows us. It's how he matures us. How do we continue though to be rooted, to be built up, to be established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving, remembering all that we've been taught. You guys are taught a lot. How do we remember all that we've been taught? Well, one particular word comes to mind this I'm going to finish and that is the word remain, remain. Now the word remain does not mean just inactivity. I'm just going to stand here. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to remain where I I am, right? It doesn't doesn't mean don't move an inch. When we think of the word remaining, it's better to think of it in the way that we think of the word fitness in some ways, right? Which is a word I do practically nothing with. Um, In order to remain a healthy person, right, using that as an analogy, means that you maintain healthy practices in your life. And so in the same way to remain a healthy church, we maintain healthy spiritual practices. We don't just want to sit here. We don't want to become a petrified forest, right? We stand back and we look and we go, man, it looks great. But then you walk in and it's like, oh, nothing's grown here for years. That's not remaining, right? That's stagnating. And that's what we want to be careful about. So here's three things I'm going to end with when we think of this word remain. The first one is this. Jeff talked about it a minute ago. We want to first remain grounded in God's word. That's the commitment, right? First Peter 1 Peter 1:24: all flesh is like grass and all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now it almost feels redundant to say because we say it so much, but it's not redundant. But remaining in God's word must be the ongoing practice for being a gospel-centered church who is learning to apply the gospel to every facet of our lives more and more every day. We learn deep truths from God's word so that we continue to grow more deeply in the love of Jesus. That's the big piece, right? Jeff, Jeff uh, spoke into that. It's the one thing that however much you consume of it, it's always for your good. It forms you more deeply in Christ. Nobody gets bloated because they consume too much of God's word, right? But we do become impoverished when we never consume any of it or we just consume little bite-sized portions. Does that make sense? So we wanna remain grounded in God's word. Secondly, we want to remain in deep community with one another. 1 Peter 4, Peter says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Uh, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. One, one of the dangers of a church community is that it can be It can be like a family. It is a family, but it can have some of the qualities that we see in our own families where we grow overly familiar with one another and then we potentially take each other for granted, right? We can can become so familiar with one another that we begin to dehumanize each other, letting each other's weaknesses and failings and offenses uh, be the catalyst for pulling back into ourselves, you know? Peter is saying guard against hospitality turning into obligatory acts that just lead to grumbling against the people that you're called to love and serve, right? But instead, steward your gifts for the good of others, for the glory of God. And this takes some things. We don't just step into that, right? This takes prayer. This takes intentionality. This takes courage, This takes not holding grudges against your brothers and sisters, but approaching them, keeping those channels of communication clear. This takes asking for forgiveness when you've wronged a brother or a sister. This is what it means to remain in deep and healthy community with one another. That is how we remain rooted and built up and established in faith. Here's the final one and then we're done. We want to remain missionally focused. Matthew 28:20, 20, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's the charge. There's the missional charge. Acts 1:8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There's that sending missionally focused charge uh, for the church. Now, this is an area that by God's grace, we might see him do a renewed work in us. The easiest thing for the church is to become overly insular Overly insular, right? Existing for its own sake. I- existing purely for the needs of its, other, of, of, of its members. Do the needs of our members come first? 100%, that's scripture, right? But it can't be where that stops, right? Because then we just become a church unto ourselves. We become something that, when it gets really bad, resembles more of like the YMCA than it does a gospel-centered, relationally-driven, God-glorifying church. Right. The fear for a church like Substance is that it can look like it has a missional focus. But in reality, we just use missional language. Now, this is an area in our church that we need to deeply pray about and see how the Lord might bring some fresh movement. So I don't think I have led well in this area as your lead pastor. It's a weakness in my own life. um, And I don't think I've led you well. I think we've done some really good things over the years um, that have gotten us out of our seats, a little more into the community, have gone to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think it's lacked some consistency. That's where my thoughts and my prayers are going right now, is how can we become a more missionally focused church. How can we do that? Because it can't just be me. We need to do it together. I understand that I need to lead the way, lead the process, but it is something that at some point I step off this platform and it's all, it's a level playing field for all of us in this church to be thinking about what God is doing with the gifts we've have received that we can leverage for kingdom growth. That has to be something that becomes a regular form of thought that happens for all of us, right? The encouraging thing is this, though, all right? Is that change doesn't happen until there is the acknowledgement that change needs to happen. To say that the Lord needs to change some things and renew some things as substance is a good thing because the church needs to be an outpost of people who are experiencing ongoing sanctification. That's change, by the way, in the grace of Jesus Christ. What the church always needs is a renewed dependency and trust that Jesus will lead and move and stir in our hearts that may have been lying dormant in some areas. But since you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, it means that there are implications. And the implications are that you have life in Christ. You have community with one another and engagement with a lost world. You already have those things. It's what are we doing for those things to become an emphasis in our lives rather than something that maybe becomes a programmatic element in the church or something that just gets our leftovers. So let's not waste the gifts that God has given us to be further rooted, further built up, further established in our faith. Um, I've been watching some sports documentaries lately, and I love them. I love sports movies and sports docs, just don't love sports, guys. Um, I don't know what that is. So I saw the one on Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, and um, didn't know a lot about him. I should have, I didn't. Forgiveness, please. Um, But man, what a story, if you've seen this documentary on his life on Netflix. um, What a waste. What a waste. He was a guy that was so talented in college, looked like he didn't really have to work too hard at it. He was so gifted. He gets to the NFL and everybody's looking at him like, so what? So what? What are you going to do now with these gifts that you have, that you've been given? And he just wasted those gifts. And the document, it's such a sad documentary. You see him at the end, you know, he's playing in these B leagues and doesn't even last very long in those, all, the, all that gift. He's still young, but it was all floundered. Let's not be a church that resembles that. Let's receive what God has given us with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving being active participation, leveraging what he's given us as his disciples, right? So that we don't squander the good gifts that he's given us, but give them away for the furthering of God's kingdom and pray that we might see more people, what? Transform from death to life. That's what it's all about, right? This is the substance of substance. This is the substance of the gospel. Let's not keep it submerged. How do we do that? I don't know. I don't know. But I wanna pray. I want you to begin (coughs) praying with me. The elders are already having conversations about that. And I think the Lord is going to open up new avenues and new paths for us as we trust him into the future. And what we're gonna do now is we're gonna celebrate the future that we have in Christ through taking communion. This is a tangible way that we celebrate the gift of life that we have through the gospel. God commanded us, he said to the disciples, as often as you remember me, take of the bread, take of the cup. We believe it's symbolic. We drink the cup, the shedding of his blood for the remission of our sins. We eat the bread, his body broken for us on the cross. We remember who we are. We have been found now through the work of Christ as people who are in Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need. We have salvation. We have the gospel. We have the Spirit of God now that is working. Even as I'm speaking, the Spirit, you may not even know it, but even as I've been speaking, with this like three star out of 10 sermon, right? Like the, the Lord has been speaking to you through, that is the power of God in his word and his spirit. Is that even through that, he's speaking to you right now. He's doing a transformative work. This is how we celebrate that transformative work. This is how we also take an opportunity to get our hearts right before the Lord. We remember the sin that drove Jesus to the cross so that we could have peace with God. And so I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take a minute to reflect on some of that, get our hearts clear before the Lord. The ushers will come up. We have two stations here, a station in the back, and then we are going to take of the elements together. So would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for these words from Paul to the Colossian church about being rooted in and built up and established in the faith, about learning how to walk in Christ so that we might abound in thanksgiving, so that these gifts that you've given us, Lord, they would come pouring out of our gratitude to you through acts of thanksgiving, Lord. Lord, thank you that because of Christ, because of the cross, you've given us everything we need. And the things that we don't yet have and the things that we need to grow into, you're going to do that, we trust you for that. Lord, I thank you for the women and the men in this room. I thank you for the gifts that you've given them. I thank you for the faithful ways that they serve our congregation, which is how they serve you. Lord, I pray that you would enter us into a renewed season. Lord, we are guarded against becoming insular, that we are remembering the work you've done in us and how you use us to do that work in others. But it's also a work that we have to take some steps in, empowered by you, but we have to take those steps nonetheless. So, Lord, would you empower our steps? Would you even today begin to restir, reorder the love of our hearts towards you, towards our neighbors, towards our community? Would you do this work, Lord, in us as we remember now the work that you did on the cross, as we take of these elements, as we remember your death? And by remembering your death and your resurrection, we remember the future that we have. It is not a future of death, but it is a future of life in you. And it starts today. And so, Lord, I'm gonna take just a few seconds here as we think about the things that we need to go before the Lord with in our hearts, areas of sin, areas that we need to repent of. Let's take a a few seconds and go before the Lord with these, these things. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us from unrighteousness? Would you create in us a clean heart? Would you renew a right spirit within us? Lord, don't cast us away from your presence. Lord, don't remove your spirit from us. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with a willing spirit, Lord. We pray as we take these elements, as we remember you in gratitude, and let that gratitude turn into thankfulness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.